Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's gonna change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm gonna come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's gonna touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Remain standing. Um, I, I received a message, so many messages from so many of you, just encouraging things, praying for you, Pastor, love you, miss you, and, and um, it meant more than you know. Um, I've received a lot of messages. Pastor, what did God speak to you while you were gone? We can't wait to hear what God told you. And I don't want to disappoint you, but I, I really didn't leave um, because I needed to go find a prayer life or needed to hear God, we, we're thankful that God's been speaking. But I, I did, I'm not preaching on this today. In fact, this is not a sermon, but I want to release, just release this over you. Um, it happened this time, much like it did the last time, the first day where we were preparing for the sabbatical and had, actually in my mind the sabbatical had already begun on the first day I got down to pray and when I got down to pray the Lord said this phrase to me I was not asking God about anything I, I just went to pray and when I got down to pray I heard the Lord say this immediately he said to me until further notice it is redemption to this nation And the phrase hit me like a sword. It took my breath, it literally took my breath. And I said, what, what was that? And he said, until further notice, it is redemption to this nation. And so I didn't know what that meant. I'll be honest with you, I don't stand here and claim I know all that it meant or that it means, but over these few weeks we have been away gradually and only as the spirit can I just keep getting little pieces of information and understanding here's what I'm convinced of I don't know all of the mechanics of that word and what it all means but I know this God is not through with America it's not And if you think we're so screwed up that God would be through with America, I will give you what God gave me while I was away. There was a city called Nineveh, a nation of people who had become so wicked that it looked as if they were unredeemable. And yet God sent a prophet named Jonah to that wicked city. And God turned an entire city back toward the heart of God. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I have more faith now for this nation than I've ever had in my life that redemption is coming to this nation. And somehow by his grace, we're going to find ourselves right in the middle of what God is getting ready to do. How many will pray into that word and receive that word? 
And I don't believe it's coincidental. The timing of that word and what we're getting ready to step into and in many ways have already stepped into. We are living not in one of, but we are living in the greatest divisive moment in the history of this nation. The fabric of this nation is being torn apart. I believe God has called us to heal and bind up what the enemy has torn and tried to destroy. So I want to tell you this, moving forward, our, our entire assignment, I, I don't know, again, what all of it means, may not mean anything for what we do and how, it just may mean we have a fresh expectation and a faith that God's going to do something and we're going to get to see it. Look at your neighbor, tell them don't give up. So until further notice, it's redemption to this nation. It doesn't mean we're not building a church in Uruguay, we are. Right now there's a new building being built for our church in Uruguay. Somebody, Guatemala, good things are happening. Bulgaria, good things are happening. Jungles over across the pond, good things are happening through the ministry and the outreach of this church. It doesn't mean we're not going to continue to do outreach. I'm just telling you the heart of God in this coming season is for this nation and we're not going to miss that. Mark chapter 16, please go there with me. Every day I look to you to be the strength of my life. How many need the strength today? You're the hope I hold on to, so be the strength of my life. One chorus, come on, be the strength. Be the strength of my life. It's a little prayer song. Be the strength of my life. Be the strength of my life today. Ask him and he'll do it, come on. Be the strength, strength of my life. Be the strength of my life. Come on, let's just say that prayer one more time. Be the strength of my life. 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 Today, oh Lord, be the strength of my life. Be the strength of my life. It's Synergy Sunday. Look at your neighbor, tell them it's Synergy Sunday. And we've been blessed by the generations that are resident within this house. And I want to preach on that. This is not something that is new uh, here. It was new in Cleveland this morning. I had never talked about generational synergy in Cleveland. I did there, and uh, I have talked about it here. So if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me preach along these lines, some of this stuff. If you've never been here, it's going to be new for you. But this is something that is an assignment on this house, and uh, we're going to embrace it, continue to embrace it, because as you've seen today, this house is not a one-generational house. 
It is a multi-generational house. As I was driving down today, Pastor Nathan, I don't know where he slipped to, but Pastor Nathan began to preach my message. And Rick said, he's preaching your message. I said, no, we're preaching the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord over this house, amen? And uh, we were just having church in the car. I wanna preach on the synergy of the kingdom. Kingdom synergy. Look at your neighbor, tell him this is the kingdom of synergy. Yes, it's a kingdom of synergy. This will be a house of synergy, generational synergy. We'll talk about that. I want you to read with me from the screen. There is a Greek word in parentheses. Please don't try to read that part. Just uh, ignore that and go to the next word. It was a train wreck in Cleveland, trust me. Okay, let's read this. After the Lord Jesus, you keep reading, had spoken to them, Then the disciples and the Lord worked with them. How many want the Lord to work with us? I say, how many want the Lord to work with us? Uh, it's one thing when I work, it's one thing when you work, it's one thing when we work, but something different happens when the Lord works with all of us. How many want your heart to be open to receive this word today? Father, we pray right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus to crown our lives and to crown our fellowship. May this community of believers step into a dimension of hearing and seeing in a way that produces fruit, a way that produces acceleration, a way that keeps us from wasting time and resources. Lord, this is a day in which we need your spirit to make clear the assignment that is before us so that we do not waste time doing things you never called us to do. In fact, right now, God, I declare that time-wasting spirits are not going to prevail in robbing us of this valuable commodity. You will help us maximize the days that we have left and not one day will be wasted. Every day will be used for the glory of God and the advancing of the kingdom. And we give you thanks and praise in advance and everybody who loves God said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Matthew 16, the last chapter of the book, pardon me, Mark 16. Somebody started laughing at me, I knew something was wrong. Mark 16 is the last chapter of Mark's gospel and the two passages of scripture that I read to you this morning are the final two passages of scripture in the gospel of St. Mark. By this point, Jesus has already died on a cross, risen from the dead, spent time with his people, making many and uh, infallible proofs known to them that he had resurrected. He had given them the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out devils, heal the sick, speak in new tongues, trample on scorpions and serpents and all such manner of the enemy. They are walking in their assignment. And here in the last two verses of Mark chapter 16, 19 and 20, the Bible says he gave them one final piece of communication and then he steps on a cloud and ascends. Everybody say ascends. He ascended back to the Father, sat down at the right hand of God. How many know this morning Jesus is sitting down in a victorious position? When you sit down, it's because the battle's over and the victory's been won and there's no other enemies to conquer and no other enemies to overcome. I want to tell you right now, Jesus is not going to be the champion. He is the champion. He is the reigning King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
And I'm telling you, there's no surprise attack coming against him that will prevail. Psalm 2 says he has already overcome. I'm thankful today that I don't serve one that we're going to find out if he's the winner. We're going to check him out and see if he's the champion. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. And one day he's coming back to rule this world with a rod of iron. He will sit on the throne of his father David. And from Jerusalem, he will rule the sheep and the goat nations. Jesus is the reigning king of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's what I want to tell you. He is right now presently sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for you. Every believer in this room, every Christian in this room, every born-again child of God in this room who has ever felt like no one loves you and no one cares and no one prays for you, I want to tell you why you were snoring last night. Somebody was praying for you. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews, he ever lives to make intercession for his people. And Jesus is praying for you. That's why victory is coming to you. That's why breakthrough is coming to you. That's why you can't be conquered on the battlefield of life. That's why the world cannot overcome you and the devil cannot get rid of you. It's why hell don't like you and darkness hates you but can't do nothing about it because greater is he that's living in you than the one that's living in this world. He is alive and he's praying for you today. And the last time I checked, he's the high priest and his blood was perfect and he put it on the altar of God. He made expiation for the sin when he died. He died so that I might live and because he came back to life, everyone who believes in him in this room has eternal life living on the inside of him. He's praying for you that you make it. If he's praying for you, then no matter what kind of weapon is formed against you, it will not be able to prosper. Somebody needs to praise God today that if your ex-boyfriend don't like you and your ex-girlfriend ain't praying for you and the church folk won't pray for you and you can't find anybody to pray for you, you don't have to send nobody an offering for a prayer. Jesus stayed up all night long praying for his people and you are gonna win. He's praying for you. He that's not what we came to preach. He went to the Father and sat down and is making intercession. Watch this. He ascended, went back to the Father. When he ascended, the Bible said that his people went and preached everywhere as he had commanded them to preach, and the Lord worked with them. Now don't miss this. In the 19th verse, he ascended. The Lord, the Bible says, the Lord ascended. After he spoke to them, he ascended. And the next verse said, they went preaching in every city and he worked with them. Now, did he do one or did he do the other? Did he ascend or was he still working with them? Because when I read this, I get a little bit confused. It said he ascended, but the next verse said he worked with them. Did he ascend or is he still here working with them? Well, he did ascend because he was victorious. But even though he ascended, he is still working through his people and with his people. And somebody said, how can he ascend and sit down at the right hand of God and yet the Bible still say he is working with his people? I'll tell you how, I'm glad you asked. He did it through the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in the book of John that he told his disciples, listen, it is necessary for you that I go back to heaven because if I don't go back, the comforter cannot come. 
But if I go back and ascend, the Father will send the Spirit who is a comforter just like me. And wherever you go, he shall go with you. The physical body of Jesus was limited to one place at one time. But the Holy Ghost of God is not limited by time, space, water, geography. You can be in Chattanooga in church on Sunday morning and the Holy Ghost be here and a missionary on some mountain in Peru is preaching under the power of the same Holy Spirit right now. Touch your neighbor, tell him he's working with us. And this phrase, this phrase, working with us, is unique. It's only used a handful of times in the entire Bible. It's the Greek word synergeo. I've taught this to you before. And, and synergy, as Pastor Wamari so eloquently said, uh, and I'll just reiterate, synergy is the combined power of a group of things that when working together, they are greater than the total power achieved by each one working separately. So synergy is I have an investment to make. Synergy is you have an investment to make. Every investment and in all the work that we do individually would accomplish something. If I do all the work that I can and nothing else, no one else is working with me, then I get a, I get a certain amount of stuff done. Synergy says if I do all that I can and you do all that you can and we work together doing all that we can, then someone else gets in the mix who makes the outcome greater than the outcome we would have gotten had we all remained individually by ourselves. This is incredible because some of you are getting ready to experience, how many have ever heard of the phrase ROI? Come on, J.R. Fitch is here, he's an investor, he knows about this. How many know what ROI is? Somebody talk to me. Return of investment, watch this. I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you need to release this over the house and tell the people who've been investing in the house that they are getting ready to receive a return of investment, watch, greater than the investment they've been making. This is how the kingdom of God works. If you've been volunteering, if you've been paying your tithes, if you've been faithful, some of you are just getting plugged into church for the first time. Some of you are getting plugged into church for the first time in a long time. I wanna encourage you that, the, that when you and I come together and we work together for the sake of the kingdom and we put our investment in, there is a greater return of investment that comes back to us because God honors the working together and gets in the equation family and he starts paying all of us back more than what we invested. I can't find no help in here today. I wanna tell you your house needs to get ready for a greater return of investment. I wanna tell you your marriage and your children and your finances and your business and your job. I know I'm not just talking about it. I'm telling you God said I'm gonna breathe on the stuff that you put my house first and I'm gonna put my mind on your house. You put my stuff first and I'm gonna put my on your stuff. You take care of me and my people and God said, I'm gonna take care of you and your people. If you will invest in the kingdom, the kingdom will pay you back. Somebody ought to say amen. So I wanna just declare on to you, you need to get ready for a release of return 
to come on you that is greater than the investment you made. That Presbyterian spirit is lifting. I need some Pentecostal people to get with me right here. You are getting ready to experience a return. I'm not talking about just your money. Some of y'all think, oh, he's talking about money. No, no, it, it might be money, and some of y'all would shout different if you had a little bit more money, but I'm talking about victory in your house. I'm talking about victory in your children. I'm talking about spiritual realities that are greater than the pain and the valleys and the discouragement and the attack. We have been too attack-minded. Some of y'all are about to get favor-minded. Everywhere you turn around, there's been an enemy, but God is about to give you a season where every time you turn around it's another open door another door another opportunity another God blew my mind kind of blessing touch somebody tell them you better get ready you better get ready you better get ready you made an investment and nobody saw it but God knows how to keep good records he's about to pay you back so we need to talk about this um, I could talk about another, a number of different kinds of synergy. I could talk about spiritual warfare. Synergy is in spiritual warfare. If you ever get in a spiritual fight, get somebody. Oh. If you ever get in a spiritual fight, go find you somebody. The Bible said in the book of the Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Because if you got two, when somebody falls down, the other one can lift them out of the ditch. And the reason somebody, some people don't have victory is because they run... Uh, in isolation. The enemy feasts on those who run in isolation. He will seek to destroy those who isolate themselves from other people. You need to run in groups. That's why when Jesus sent out gospel ministers, he sent them out not one by one, but what? Two by two. How many know when the animals got on the ark, it wasn't one at a time, it was two at a time. There's power in agreement. The book of Amos said, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? Something powerful happens when you can find agreement. Spiritual warfare, there's a synergy created. If one can put a thousand to flight, two, I'm getting ready to give y'all something right here. Let, let, let me teach something that, that perhaps we haven't considered before. Leviticus 26 Everybody, can we do this? Leviticus 26, verse 7. Uh, Chad, uh, we are Chad. Can y'all help me with this? Uh, Leviticus 26, verse 7. You will pursue your enemies. You will pursue, you will pursue your enemies, not your enemy chasing you. You, look at your neighbor telling me, you will pursue your enemies. You will pursue your enemies, watch this, and they will fall by the sword. How many brought your sword with you today? Come on, you will pursue your enemies and your enemies will fall by the sword. Now look at the next verse. Five of you, verse eight, five of you will chase a hundred. Uh, Ashley, come here, Tim, Ashley, come here. Give me, give me five brothers. Ryan, come give me, a Andy, come help me. Uh, Pastor Michael, would you come help me? I don't wanna just, in, uh, Rick, stand up. You look like you're ready to fight something today. Come. <laughs> five will chase what? Come on, talk to me, family. What's the book say? Five will chase a hundred. How many know that's five bad to the bone kind of brothers if five of them can whoop a hundred? That's what the book says. How many know if God be for you, it don't matter how many is against you? Well, watch this, watch this. If five can chase a hundred, how many does that mean each one chases? 20. Everybody see that math? 
Come on, Cleveland needed a math class. I'm afraid for Chattanooga too. Uh -huh. If you got a hundred enemies and you got five warriors and five puts a hundred to flight, each one of them are whooping 20. Look at the next part of the verse. It says, and a hundred of you will chase what? Now, wait a minute. If I'm going to follow the math of that equation, then a hundred should be able to only whoop how many? Two thousand. I got some math people in this room. Two thousand. But the Bible skips two thousand, and it doesn't say that a hundred would whoop a thousand or, or, or two thousand. It says a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. How did we jump, drop, jump from a, a five to a hundred, and then a hundred to ten thousand? I'm gonna tell you how. Synergy. Synergy says the more you get involved, the more God gets involved with what you're doing. And before it's over with, instead of five whooping a hundred, and instead of a hundred whooping two thousand, you got a hundred whooping ten thousand because angelic hosts came and strengthened the one hundred and they whooped more than they should have been. I'm trying to tell you when you get in a fight and a spiritual battle, don't just walk in your bedroom and cry. Get one of them prayer mamas on the phone. Get one of them elders on the phone. Find somebody that knows how to plead the blood. Find somebody that knows how to tell the devil to get out of your mind and under your feet. Find somebody with a testimony. Find somebody who's been there and done that and came out with a victory flag and put the devil out of your house. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. If that's true, then why do we remain divided? If that's true, why do we keep fighting by ourselves? Slap your neighbor, tell him it's time for victory. It's time for victory. It's time for the yoke of depression to come off you. It's time for the yoke of heaviness to come off you. You mess with my friend. You mess with my brother. You mess with my sister. It's over. Greater is he that is in us. Yeah! But I did not come to preach about spiritual warfare synergy. I could talk about the synergy of the word and faith. When you mix faith with the word, synergy starts happening. Whenever you get a promise, Paul said in the book of Romans, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. When you get a word, faith comes alive. When you mix faith with the word, crazy stuff starts happening. Virgin young ladies named Mary get a womb filled with Jesus. When you mix faith, with the word. When you mix faith with the word, a fisherman can go fishing at tax time and catch a fish and his buddy thinks it's just a fish till he opened his mouth 
and a coin that was enough money to pay the tax bill. Y'all not hearing what I'm telling you? What's in the mouth of the fish? When you get a word and mix faith with it, synergy starts happening. You can actually take a man who is called out of a boat and is supposed to sink on water. But if you ever mix faith with the word, Jesus can say, it's me, come. And you can actually get down out of a boat and start walking on what everybody else used to sink in. Because synergy happens with the word and faith when it comes together. But I didn't come to talk about the word and faith. I feel assigned to talk about generational synergy. Now, when you talk about generational synergy, some people don't think that it's spiritual. Oh, he's not. This is not the Holy Ghost. We're not all shouting and screaming and nobody prophesying and cussing devils out. This is not. Oh, no. Now, listen. God is a generationally synergistic God. How do I know? Because Pastor Nathan told you earlier, he is not identified primarily among his people as the God of Abraham. He could, because what he did through the life of Abraham was significant, but he refuses to be identified simply by what he did in one generation. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, we struggle with this in the modern church. I'll tell you where they don't struggle with it. It's in Fortune 500 companies. Fortune 500 companies hire people to learn how to market their product to every generation. Why? Because we want, they want people to buy what they're laying down. And so if, you, if you're trying to sell something, you want it to appeal to grandma and grandpa in a different way than it appeals to their grandson and granddaughter. So you advertise one thing in one venue one way and you advertise one thing in another venue to another generation in a different way. Why? Because you're trying to let every generation know you want what we got. Unless you're Bud Light, no generation, won't you? So, I've been waiting. I hadn't preached in six weeks. I'm coming out with guns blazing today, baby. So, Fortune 500 companies, watch this. They understand the significance of touching and ministering and reaching and communicating with every generation. In fact, sociologists will tell us, it depends on which sociologist you listen to, some will tell you there are six generations alive on the planet. Some will tell you there are eight generations alive on the planet. How many ever generations you believe are alive in the workforce Many companies, listen to this, many companies have hired as many as four, some say five generations in one company. You go into some companies and they got a 19-year-old tech nerd who knows everything about social media and they pay, y'all think I'm crazy, they're paying them $150,000 a year to give them a strategy on how to communicate on Instagram. 
And in that same company, they got an 80-year-old CEO who has been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and been working in that company for 50 years. Well, is it an old company or a new company? A young company. Is it a contemporary company or a traditional company? It's a successful company. Because they understand if we're going to reach and, and get our product into the hands of every generation, we got to have every generation involved in the process so that our company is ministering. to. Now I'm, some of y'all can't handle where I'm going because I'm talking about Fortune 500 company. But what I'm trying to tell you is sometimes the world is smarter than the church at doing kingdom business. And we got to quit acting like, and I'm going somewhere because I, I did come to let some people in this room know we will never be an old church. We we will never be a young church. We will never be a white church. We will never be a black church. We will never be a Hispanic church. We will never be a contemporary church. We will never be a traditional church. We will never be a quiet church. And we will always be a loud church. Because what we have is not just another product. We have a kingdom that is for grandma and grandpa. It's for young sons and young daughters. It's for red and yellow, black and white. And I say it's time for every generation to come together to advance the agenda of the king. Here's what's crazy. We think the disciples all wore navy blue suits white shirts, and they all acted the same, came from the same place, did the same thing. Y'all, have you ever studied the life of the 12? Crazy. You got zealots. You know what a zealot is? They'll fight you over political differences. But that's good preaching, Pastor. I'm coming for you. You got political zealots. You got tax collectors. Do you know how hated tax collectors were? Y'all hate them too. <laughs> they talking about the IRS weaponizing and coming to your house. They better come with a whole lot of help. I don't like, how many know we don't like the IRS? Huh? But they hated the tax collectors in that day. Then you had some ragamuffin fishermen. And you got all these different people coming together for the 12. And yet that group of people who possess many differences, they're different generations. Peter is an older man. John is a younger man. And yet within this 12, despite the diversity and the complexities of the composition of the 12, the reality of it is they had enough sense to get together in unity. And by the time you get to Acts 2, they have matured to the place that they can lay down their differences and they can lay down their division and they can come together in unity. Can I quote the Bible for you? Acts 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place. This is a miracle. 
because I got my own place and you got your own place and we all got our places where we tell everybody God showed up but at some point what we need is greater than what we have and when what you need is greater than what you have you will relinquish your right to have your way and you will start doing it the king's way and if the king said meet together in the upper room I've got to leave my place and get to his place because if I ever get in the right place there is a release coming a consummation of promises and prophetic words that have been thousands of years in the making and I'm about to stand in the place where all of it comes together and converges when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one place miracle number one and they were all in one accord 120 all in one accord not a Honda That would have been a miracle number three. <laughs> but they were all in one place in one accord. Watch. And unity releases suddenly. The Lord worked with all of these different people. I want to say a few things here. I'm just teaching. I'm trying to calm down some. I was worried about myself on the first Sunday back. Pace myself. If we don't learn how to leverage diversity, we will lose a generation. Leverage diversity. Can you please break that down? Thank you, I will. All of us bring something different to the table. We have historically in the church demonized people who bring something differently to the table. When in reality, it is the diversity and the difference that actually empowers us to have a voice in a room that most people wouldn't have a voice in. <laughs> what do you do when you're a multicultural church in a nation that doesn't hardly believe in multicultural church anymore? Getting quiet now. Some people snuck in this morning from their favorite white church. You already been to church once. You come here to get your fix. And, oh, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. So, so, some of my African-American brothers and sisters already been to church once this morning. You filled that quota. Now you got to come here and get your stuff. That day is coming to an end. Well, wait, 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 wait. Pastor, you're making me feel all kind of uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you why we're uncomfortable, because we have a church revelation, but not a kingdom revelation. I'm going to blow the whole thing up today. I'm going to blow the whole thing up today. This ain't even in my notes. I got to go find it. Y'all talk to each other for a minute. Visit, get somebody's net and phone number, do something. I was reading this over here, and I didn't think I was going to preach this. It wasn't no preaching material. It was just blessing me. Now I'm going to preach it. It's over here in Ephesians. There's one body. One spirit. Just so you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord. 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. If you keep reading the book of Ephesians, it says that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. And it hit me while I was reading this. He was trying to get them to stop understanding their identity through the eyes of the flesh. And he wanted them to see that in the Holy Ghost, they were one. Lord, I'm getting ready to say some stuff. I can't say it all in the same Sunday. It's gonna take me some time to get this thing out. But we have been identifying a spiritual organism after carnal means. The church is not a carnal, it has carnal people in it, but the church is not a carnal entity. We are not a carnal organism. That's why carnality is rebuked because it is the enemy of spirituality. And what we have are people making a good living by promoting division. I'm going to say it. I was going to wait, but I'm going to say it this Sunday. I'm probably going to say it next Sunday too. Division pays too many bills for unity to begin to prevail in the church. We got to have division. We got to have hate. We got to have our group that pay our salary because if we ever have the kingdom, them people who are carnal may not follow us anymore. Well, I want to tell you right now, I'm not here for a following. I'm here to follow him. And if I follow him, he'll lead me into a kingdom and the I'm telling you God is about to make a shift in the landscape of the church This mess of making a fortune off the division of the people of God is coming to an end. I prophesy a cessation to this nonsense. God is getting ready to release a commanded blessing on the people of God. A commanded blessing. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. Brethren, brought together in unity. It, what, what, what is it, it? It is the dwelling together in unity. And when we dwell together in unity, that is like the oil. That fl- Stand up, Fitch, and let them see your beard. See that beard? It flows all the way down the beard, all the way down to the skirts of the garments. The oil falls from the head all the way down. What pulls the oil? Gravity. What is gravity in the kingdom? Grace. Grace will grab the oil that is on the head and pull it all the way down the body so that even the foot bone gets the oil. I feel like preaching. Unity is like the dew that rests upon Mount Hermon. And before you leave here thinking when I say unity, I'm talking about some pseudo movement where we sit in a circle singing kumbaya, making ourselves feel like we're in unity. That's not unity. There's no real unity until the king takes his seat in the middle. And when the king takes his seat in the middle and the glory of God comes around the king, then we all circle the king and we get unified behind the king and his kingdom. Calm down, Wallace. If you don't have the king, you don't have unity. Here's what we call unity in today's church or in today's religious world. Oh, you're a Muslim? Come, you be unified with me. 
You're an imam, come be unified with me. Now, listen, I can respect everybody. Everybody ought to have the freedom to express their faith in whatever religion they want. I'm not here to nationalize Christianity. Well, then we ought to make Jesus a legal thing. No, you shouldn't. That's religion. If a person wants to go worship a crystal and lick on a crystal, you can lick on a crystal till your tongue falls off and you will never find new life. But if a person wants to go lick on a crystal and find their God, they ought to be free to do it. But 30 different people serving 30 different gods sitting in a circle holding hands singing kumbaya is not unity. Unity happens when the king takes his seat and the people say, I don't need my kingdom. I want to be a part of his kingdom. And when you get around the king and his kingdom, that's when unity begins to break up. And the problem in modern church is that we've got too many thrones with too many bishops who want to be the king and they want everybody to follow them and nobody's hearing the gospel and nobody's repenting of sin. Everybody's throwing their money. Everybody's shouting and falling out, but nobody is saved. Well, here we go. I'm back. Hallelujah. True unity cannot happen until the glory of the Lord is revealed. You got Bible for it 100%. Isaiah chapter 40 said, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together. You want to get all flesh to come together? Show them the glory of the Lord and they will come together. And we have a pathetic kingdom revelation in the modern church in America, which is why there's such a division in the body. God's gonna stop it. And we're gonna love one another and we're gonna heal wounds and we're gonna be compassionate. You wanna, I gotta quit. This is about to turn into a hostage situation. I'm gonna keep you so long. One day, minding my own business on this break, sitting at the beach, everybody's like, what kind of massive download did you get from God? You know what he said to me one day? I'm gonna revive kindness. How about that? How about that, sister hateful and brother malice? Yeah, well, I want the gift of the Spirit. Sit down. We're tired of you being hateful to people at Piggly Wiggly and coming to church and prophesying. If you really want to be born again, get your mouth delivered and your heart free from racism. Get it free from hate. Get it free from malice. My God, get free. I am so far off where I thought I was going. But I tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. And I feel the reverberation of a thing happening in Chattanooga that's gonna shake Chattanooga. It's gonna shake the Southeast. It's gonna shake a nation. God is gonna redeem a nation. Kingdom is on the move. Generational synergy, help me, Lord, stay there. Generational synergy. 
I want you to hear me say that the move of God happening in this day and time is the move of God revealed in Acts 2. It is not a unigenerational movement. It's not just sons and daughters. It's old men seeing dreams. Young men having visions. Servants and handmaidens and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and generations coming together. And in the corporate world, they've done this. And in the church, it's about to happen. I want you to put the definition of generational synergy, Chad, up on the screen. This is something that if you don't know it and are not familiar with it, perhaps you're just starting to check us out. and Maybe you've been really excited about joining until today. <laughs> you're like, can he go back on sabbatical? <laughs> no. <laughs> and if you don't get delivered, God will put my mansion next to yours. I'll wear you out for all of eternity. <laughs> I'll get on your last nerve while the ages roll. Hallelujah. So this house is a house of generation, say generational synergy. Generational synergy is the supernatural power of the kingdom of God that is released within a church as it identifies, honors, utilizes, and celebrates the God-given gifts, abilities, and anointings that are resident in every generation within that church. Thank you. We can't ever become a young church or an old church or a contemporary church or a traditional church. Why? Because such stereotypes rob us of the honor that is due every generation sitting in this congregation. when we were away on our break, there were a few days where I got to go down to the beach and no one was there. It lasted for like 10 minutes. But before the, the break, I, took a I bought a speaker. I got this beach-proof speaker, no sand can mess it up, no water, so I take this speaker down and I have this playlist and it's all the music I like and pray to and it's from mostly the 90s and some 70s and 60s and a couple of 2000s. And then the kids came and Judah would say, um, can I put my phone on the Bluetooth? And I would say, it depends, Judah. What are we gonna listen to? And she said, upper room. Yeah. Okay, well, that's great. I, <laughs> I, she put it on and they started singing these songs and it's different than the stuff I was raised on. Different than the stuff most of you were raised on. But you wanna know something? My 16-year-old daughter was listening to Jesus music. What a nasty person I would be if I were like, give me back my speaker. I'm going back to the Gaithers. <laughs> but that's what some people done in the church. <laughs> it's time to go. 
That's why some people have done that in the church. The, an older generation said, give us the church back. We don't like all this hopping and dancing. And we don't like these screens and some smoke. You're trying to reproduce the glory. If you had the glory, you wouldn't need a smoke machine. Shut up. We're not trying to produce glory smoke. We're trying to affect the lights. See the lights? We paid money for those lights. And when you put a little bit of haze in the room, you can see them. Isn't it wonderful? Chill out. And I've said it a thousand times, so let me say it one more time. When you get to heaven, it won't be country blue walls with a ceiling fan in the baptistry and a dove painted on the back of the baptistry. Won't be home interior pictures sitting by the pearly gates. It's going to be a light show like you've never seen. There's gonna be streets made of fine gold, walls made of jasper, lightning and thunder will circle the throne. What are we arguing over? So here's my, here's my plea. I'm through. Here's my plea. Let's be a generational church. I was reading Mark, oh, pardon me, I was reading Ephesians 5 this morning, Ryan. Really not as a sermon. Edition. I was just reading it from my own personal reading. And while I was in my mind, knew I was preaching this sermon, Pastor Melvin, it hit me. Honor your father and your mother. And your days on this earth will be long. And I thought about that in the church context. Teenagers, honor your spiritual fathers and mothers and your church will live long. You wanna know why churches die? Because we lose honor for the other generation. And you got hateful, if you're not careful, the seasoned people will get mad because we have made so many changes. If we're not careful, the young people will get dishonorable and look at the seasoned people and say, they're just not cool. Well, you don't need everybody in your life to be cool. Some of y'all need some old people that don't have an Instagram account, that don't know what TikTok is. They think TikTok is the ticking of the clock, the tick and the tock. They don't know what TikTok is. Grandpa, you don't have to be hip and cool. They don't, need, they don't even need you to be hip and cool. They need you to tell them that drugs don't work. Alcohol, you can drink mud but not get any wiser. And they don't, come on in here, somebody. We just need some generational honor. There's people sitting in this church that have been serving Jesus twice as long as I've been alive. I need him. When COVID broke out, everybody was panicking. Not the old saints. Oh no, not the old saints. They were the ones calling me. It's gonna be all right, Bishop. We're gonna get through this. How do they know that? Because they already been through this stuff. They went through depression. They went through the market crash. They went through all that back then. They went through civil rights. They already been hated on and told they couldn't. And they got through it and their testimony strengthened me. Is this anywhere in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Judges 16. Oh man. Samson still got strength. Problem is, he ain't got no vision. 
they gouged his eyes and they took his vision. But the problem is he had strength. What do you do when you still got strength but you don't have the vision in your staff? You do what Samson did. Read the text. Can you throw that up there, Chad? I think it's Judges 20, uh, 16, 26 maybe. It says, Samson called for the lad. I got to go to my car, but I feel like preaching before I do. Come here, Papa. Come here. Come here, Samson. Come here, Samson. Come here, Samson. Samson was older, but he still had strength. Come here, Pastor Nathan. Where's Pastor Nathan? Come here, Pastor Nathan. Come here, help me. Come here, help me. He, he still had strength, but he lost his vision. So what did he do? Did he quit because he lost his vision? No. He called for a young man. He said, come here and put my hands on the pillar. Oh, God. It took the strength of an older generation and the vision of a younger generation. My God, I feel him in the room. I feel him in the room. Uh, this is why the devil has tried to destroy generational synergy in a church because if it ever happens, Tim Ashley, I feel like preaching here, if it ever happens, if we can ever get Papa to stop arguing with his grandson, if we can ever get Nanny to quit competing with her granddaughter, if we get to Boshaya, if we can ever love one another, then the strength of an older generation and the vision of a younger generation can tear the devil's kingdom. Somebody shout in the chat. I said somebody shout. Stand with me. Stand with me. Every son and daughter get to the altar right now. Every person getting ready to go back to school or who's just started get back, back to school, come to the altar with me right now. Every teacher, every administrator, every school bus driver, every cafeteria worker, every teacher. Leaders are gonna give you some instruction about getting in lines. Yeah, come on, tell them you love them while they're coming. College, high school, middle school, elementary, it don't matter, come on. There's another place where this whole principle can be seen. It's in the Gospel of St. John, the sixth chapter, where the Bible gives the, the story of a multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children who were hungry. And uh, the disciples come to Jesus. They say, sir, what are we going to do for all these people? How are we going to feed them? Jesus says, what do you have? Look at somebody, ask them, what do you have? Come on, ask your neighbor all over the church, what do you have? Hear, hear me, God will never work the miracle with what you don't have. He will never be kept from the miracle by what you lack. He will always be able to do it with what you have. What do you have, he said. They said, well, we got a boy. We got a young man over here. Five loaves, two fish, 
But what is that for such a multitude? And Jesus said, tell the boy to bring it to me. And they brought the five loaves and the two fish to the hands of the master. And he put his hands on it, lifted it to God. And the Bible said, he watch, he gave thanks for what he had and he blessed it. All of you need to hear me. You all have something. And I feel like I need to encourage some mamas and daddies in this house today and tell you, you don't know what you're setting. Can you imagine that mama when she sent her son out for the day? Hey, go play, son. Well, mama, what am I going to eat? Here's your lunch. I packed you a lunch. Five loaves, two fish. He takes off running. He's out playing. All of a sudden, he finds himself in the midst of a multitude. And yet what his mama gave him that morning was going to be part of the miracle of the ages. It's the only miracle found in all, other than the resurrection, it's the only miracle found in all four gospels the way it's written. It's the most significant miracle. Jesus took what the young boy had. An older generation had to hand it out. Jesus got in the middle of the older generation who had nothing, the younger generation who had just a little. And when they started all giving what little investment they could, the master synergistically started working miracles and everybody went home full. This school year, keep giving God what you have. He'll keep multiplying it and work miracles through it. I need every pastor up here with me right now. Every lead, all my leaders, come here. We're going to lay hands on every one of your head. Now, somebody said, why do you lay hands on my head? Because we believe in the conferring the blessing. We believe you're going to be blessed this year. In the schoolroom, on the athletic field, in the, on the basketball court, every baseball, softball, volley, I don't care what. If you in the choir, in the band, in the gee club, whatever club you're in, whatever you do, your education, your academics, your behavior, you're going to be blessed this year. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. I want all of you to stretch your hands toward our sons and daughters right now. Now listen, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, by faith, Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed his children. There are hundreds of children in this altar this morning, hundreds of sons and daughters. I declare your hallways will not be bullet zones. In the name of the Lord. I'm asking you, God, to send angels to Chattanooga, to North Georgia, to the surrounding region. I pray protection. I heard the Lord say this in Cleveland. I was praying for the kids. He said, I'm going to build a hedge around them. I'm going to build a hedge. Come on, pray that right there. I'm going to build a hedge around them. Just pray that, Mama. Pray that, Daddy. Pray that. We, we cancel every intruder that would come into schools and try to wreak havoc. We cancel it. Come on, pray, pray, pray. We cancel bullets. I cancel death. I cancel every assignment of the enemy. I pray blessing upon our college, high school, middle school, elementary students. In the mighty name of Jesus, we bless them in the name of the Lord. We confer the blessing of God on their life. Just walk down and lay hands on every one of them 
I, I want every person to get laid hands laid on them. We can come back and do personal ministry, but if you would help me, I just want us to make sure every child, every worker, every teacher, every administrator, oh, come on, pray in the Holy Ghost all over this room, church. Pray with me all over this room. We need a blessed school year. We need a blessed school year. We're asking you to watch over our babies. God, we're asking you when, when, when they get out of the car, I pray angels would walk them to class, keep them all day long as they drive to school, protect their cars, watch over them, Lord. Oh God, we need you. Build a hedge, Lord. Build a hedge, Lord. Build a hedge, Lord. Put your angels all the way around them. Keep them in all their ways. Give them wisdom. Let their GPA jump up high this year. Let them get scholarships. God bless them on the athletic field. Bless them on the court. Bless them in the classroom. Bless them to stay out of ISS. Keep them out of school suspension. Don't let them get expelled. Keep them away from drugs. Keep them away from peer pressure. Let them know they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh God, would you bless them. Build a hedge, build a hedge, build a hedge, put a hedge, put a hedge around all of our children. Keep them safe. Let them be free from fear. Come on, pray, mama. Pray, daddy. Pray, grandma. Pray, grandpa. I bless my babies. I bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I bless them to excel. I bless them to be mighty. I bless them to do great exploits. I thank you for the anointing on their life. I pray the release of your divine favor upon them. Come on, mama, pray. Come on, plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. The blood still works. The blood still works. The blood still works. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We speak blessing over our sons and daughters. This house will bless the next generation. This house will declare they are not the church of tomorrow. They are indeed the church of today. I wish somebody would just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I believe we're intercepting some plans of the enemy. I believe we're intercepting some plans of the enemy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. A blessed year for teachers. I pray no drama in their classrooms. I pray favor on their scores. I pray their students would rise up and excel. Jesus, how we love thee. Jesus, how we love thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Come on, tell them, sons and daughters, every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless, bless us now, Lord my Savior, Jesus, bless him. I come, oh, bless Dana God, bless Dana God, 
Bless her as she helps and leads and counsels. Give her wisdom, Lord. Come to Thee. I need Thee. Oh, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you. Come on, stretch your hands. We've got through yet. Don't, don't, don't stop now. Just a little more strength in this house. A little bit more strength. We're going to pray for every one of them. Come on. God's releasing something. Angelic hosts are surrounding your children. I pray and thank him for it. Halabashah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We bless them. We bless them. We bless them. We bless them with divine favor. I bless Seth with divine favor. I pray this, this semester of this year, doors that are supernatural would open for this young man. I pray you go before him and give him a witness, give him boldness in this hour. Touch, 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 touch Jordan, God. Touch Zion, touch, touch, touch. By the power of your Holy Spirit, touch, Lord. Let the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. Touch Jackson. Uh-huh, yeah. There was some warfare at the beginning to get there, but there won't be that kind of warfare in it. God's gonna give you favor. Bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Bless him, bless him, bless her, God. Bless these babies. Bless these mamas and daddies. Bless these sons and daughters. Come on, keep praying, keep praying. We release blessing. I'm doing it by faith. I'm believing every child we touch is blessed by the hand of the Lord. Blessed by the favor of God. Bless the Katarabahoshaya. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Keep praying, mama. Keep praying, daddy. In the name of the Lord, we bless them. In the name of the Lord, we thank you for a new season. We thank you for a fresh new season. I thank you for a fresh grace and a fresh season. I thank you for a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Even now it shall spring forth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, bless every one of them. Bless every one of them with the power of God, with the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. I hear the Lord saying a sleep cycle is going to be blessed. Sleep cycles are going to be blessed. Let their sleep be deep. Let it be sweet. In the name of the Lord. Come on, pray. A few more minutes here. We thank you for it, God. We thank you for it, God. Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to leave you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, 
and our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You'll become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.